0: Psalm 90 I want us to note particularly the title of this psalm before we read through the words The title is listed as a prayer of Moses the man of God A prayer of Moses Indeed Moses then being the one Whose words we hear through the power of the Spirit of God. Psalm 90 Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sest return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up, In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath we are troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is there strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O, satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory be unto thy children, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us, yea, the work of our hands, establish thou yet, Amen. May God bless his word to our hearts for Jesus' sake. This morning I want us to think particularly on the very first verse of this psalm. I want us to think on the words, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place. Thou hast been our dwelling place. And so I'm giving us a title for this time this morning, the Lord, our dwelling place. And may the Lord be pleased to bless us as we consider this thought. Let's just ask the Lord to meet with us. Father in heaven, now we would pray that thou would bless this time in the word. We pray that thou wilt use the word as a lamp we pray that you'll use it as a sword. We pray that you'll use it as a balm. Lord, we pray that thou will use it as a comfort to our soul through the Spirit of God. Lord, we pray that thou wouldst direct our minds and our thoughts. We pray that thou will allow us to know, O God, most of all, our presence, the presence of our God with us, that we might discern that you are the preacher today that you are the one who speaks, that you are the one who would have us to consider these things, and that you present them to us yourself through the power of the Spirit of God. Lord, we ask for a time with our, our Savior this day. Oh, God, bless us and meet with us. Help us. Direct us, we pray. And we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. I think the Lord offers to us here in this first verse what we might describe as a very plain or common or easily understood picture. He speaks of Himself as being our dwelling place. Our dwelling place. Well... You and I, I think, understand that description, those words. A dwelling place, we might understand to be a place or a structure wherein a man resides. This is where I live. This is where I find myself at home. I have a dwelling place. And that's the place where I should be. Well, you know, you can take those words, dwelling place, and you can characterize them in many different ways. As I just mentioned, you might suggest that those words uh, mean primarily, and perhaps they do, the idea of a home. A home. The place where one belongs. I belong at home. And that's the place where a man is meant to be. Now, of course, you go out from there, you do your your work, you run your errands, you do your different things that you are required to do. But overall, a man's place is home, as with every other member of the family, of course. You might also take the words dwelling place and say, well, that really, not only with the idea of home, it describes the place where we are the most comfortable. It's a place of comfort. The place where the heart, the mind, and the body are most at ease, feels the most secure. Uh, Perhaps even the place where we want to be the most. So it's a place of comfort. You could also present this idea, that it means the place of supply my dwelling place. I go from room to room in my dwelling place and I find that there are things in each one that benefit me, help me, strengthen me, cause me to no comfort or rest. It was suggested to me that in thinking on this verse, maybe I should structure my sermon as to simply going from room to room and seeing what's in those rooms and maybe just making application from that well I'll say no my mind did not go there but I will note this that when you think of your home if you were to think about the kitchen what do you find in the kitchen um, dirty pants well no I'm not going to go there what do you find in the kitchen well you say oh, of course it's the place where there's the food how are our souls fed where are we fed There's an application. The Lord is the place where we are fed. You could also go, uh, if you will, to the living room. What do you find in the living room? You say, well, that's a place of fellowship and interaction. That's a place where we find ourselves uh, conversing with those that we love or spending our time doing the things that we find to be uh, enjoyable. Again, there's an application there fellowship, the place where we find ourselves interacting and finding the strengthening that comes from just being one with the other. You say, well, how about the bedroom? Well, of course, in the bedroom, there's, there's the bed and the pillow. You have to say, well, that's, of course, a, a picture of rest. Well, where are you going to really find rest for your souls? You can say, well, what about the bath? well, Yes, you go into the bathroom, you get clean in there. The Lord is that means by which we find our souls. You can go and you can make all these different applications uh, if you want uh, from that picture. And perhaps they are true uh, enough to cause us to be encouraged indeed. So I would say, you have this dwelling place being described as perhaps a home, a place of comfort, a place of supply, where we gain. You can also say it this way, that the dwelling place is also carries an idea of an appointed existence. This is the place where I'm meant to be found. This is the place where I live. This is the place where I plan. This is the place where I prepare good. This is my living place. Yes, God has appointed a place for us to live. And we might say, well, that certainly is a picture then of the dwelling place of which we speak. And you might also say then last, uh, at least according to my little list here, it's a place of uh, the center of our interest. This is the most important place. Home. The dwelling place. And what happens in this place is of the primary concern. That is indeed what our God is to be to us. He is the place where our focus is. The primary concern of our thinking of our lives is in the person of our God. Now, we can take all of these thoughts and we can lay them up against the statement of our text. God, the Lord, has been our dwelling place. He continues to be our dwelling place. I want you to see with me, though, as we begin to consider these words, I want you to see that this is not a statement that says the Lord's dwelling place is in or among His people. It is the other way around. The dwelling place for the people Is in the Lord. Keep that in mind. The Lord's. Our dwelling place. Our dwelling place is in our God. That is a factual statement. That is a helpful truth. And that is the center of faith. And the framework of our thinking. That is where we are to center. Our existence. Our dwelling place. Is the Lord himself. Now. We have to ask then the question, what does that mean? What does that mean? How does that actually come about? How am I to understand that thought? The Lord is my dwelling place. Well, I want you to take it into a bit of a perspective here. We mentioned that this psalm was the psalm of Moses. That would make it the oldest of all psalms. I want you to think about the statement of Moses. Most would consider this a psalm that was penned while the children of Israel were making their way out of Egypt or maybe perhaps even in the wilderness. But I want you to think about it this way. It was certainly a statement in a time when in an earthly sense, the people did not dwell in the place or in the way in which they would have liked. This is not a statement saying, "Oh, the Lord is my dwelling place. Everything is going swimmingly for me. It's going wonderfully for me. It's all roses and um, whatever other flowers uh, are in your garden." It's not. It's just. It's not a time of just everything is wonderful. The skies are blue and the birds are singing. That's not at all. The background of this psalm was most likely in a time of hardship, a time in which you'd have to say there were great testings and there were afflictions and there was deprivation of different sorts. It was a time when there was an uncertain future, as it were. Although the Lord was leading them to the land of Canaan because of their sin, how much longer do we last in this wilderness? How long do we have to go forward in this wilderness? It was not a time or a place where they thought, this is just wonderful. I want you to note that. But he also says, the Lord has been our dwelling place in all generations. You'd have to say, what's he mean by that? Well, if you just took the whole Uh, picture of Israel in Egypt and coming out of Egypt, that spans a period of 400 years. If Moses was referring to just the time in which the Lord had been their dwelling place while they were in Egypt, if that was just the the totality of it, you're talking about a a time frame that probably saw 20 generations over 400 years. And then you had a couple of generations that were also uh, evident there in The wilderness. So you had numbers of generations that went by. But Moses is saying in all of these times, whether it's limited to that or whether you want to say, it even goes back beyond that to consider Jacob. And then to consider Isaac before him. And Abraham before him. And Terah before him. And so forth. All the way back through to to, uh, Adam. That the Lord has for His people always been the dwelling place. You can certainly take that as the meaning. But I want you—I want to stress to you this: that the meaning of the dwelling place does not relate to outward pleasurable circumstances. That the spiritually ignorant might label blessing. Lord, you have been good to us. We have known wonderful things. We've known the blessings of abundance, of comfort, of plenty. No, that's not what's being talked about here. But the Lord has shown himself in all the days of hardship and suffering and trial and failure. To be the dwelling place where his people might come and find all things that are needed. In fact, the whole the whole of this psalm, as you progress through the psalm, you read of Moses saying, uh, Our our days are not filled with plenty, our days are not filled with with that which is just good. And of course, you have the words of explanation there, what he means. So, what does it mean? So, I've got four things I'm going to say to you this morning. First, I want you to see with me this, that God has made himself our dwelling place. God has made himself our dwelling place. Now, there's two aspects to that statement. The first is that God is our dwelling place. Mr. Spurgeon makes the comment that for the child of God... He will always find the Lord his God to be the place of shelter, the place of comfort, the place of protection. God preserves and God cherishes his own. That is an unchangeable truth. So in other words, I would suggest to you this, that we find our heart's home place in what the Lord our God is to us and nowhere else. There's a point. There is no other place for the child of God to know any fulfillment, any comforts, any real pleasures apart from walking In the presence of his God. And this is true in a howling wilderness. Or in the darkest of night. You think about what the Lord was to these people. As they walked through the wilderness. And through their dark nights. The Lord's presence was there. You had the. Pillars. The cloudy pillar in the day. The fiery pillar at night. You had the supply of the manna. You had the. Clothes and shoes that would not wear out. God was to his people then. He is to us now the same. He provides for us a light. He provides for us, as it were, a hiding place. God is our dwelling place. And secondly, he has made himself this way to his people. And I suggest to you this is not only stating that we will not find our soul's needs met elsewhere, but it's a statement that you cannot find your soul needs elsewhere. God has designed for those that are his own to find all things that are needful for their soul's good, their soul's pleasure, their soul's strength, their soul's comfort, He has made Himself to be our dwelling place. This is not something that you're going to find able to be seen or known anywhere else. But in the Lord Himself, you cannot find any other fullness. Well, you can try. In fact, I will say this. I think, unfortunately, we're in a day when Christians are trying to find their comforts in all kinds of places, in all kinds of ways, kinds of activities, kinds of... it's it's unending, seemingly, the ways in which Christians scurry around, lifting up rocks, shaking bushes, and so to speak, to try to find something for themselves that brings them comfort or fulfillment or joy or a meaning in life. You're never gonna find it. Because your God has designed it that you will not find any of these things save in Himself. Our dwelling place is our God. It always has been. In all generations, it will not be different. Well, my second point is this. Not only has God made himself our dwelling place, second, God is willing to be found as our dwelling place. The Lord is willing for us to know him in this way. You know, you and I think in our ignorance and our silliness, uh, something like this. And, and this doesn't make any sense. What I'm going to say to you doesn't make any sense, and I would recognize this. So if you lift your eyebrows, saying that didn't make what well, you just said didn't make any sense, there's a reason because it doesn't. We tend to think something like this. Only if you dwell in the Lord, or only if you dwell, will be allowed to dwell. Huh? Only if you're doing that which is absolutely perfect and right will you be able to be experiencing that which is perfect and right. Or in other words, something like this. It is only if you have grace that God will give you grace. Or It's only if you are exercising and knowing the benefits of mercy that God will show you mercy. You see, this doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. But you and I think that way. If only I can arrive myself to some particular position, spiritually, mentally, then the Lord will see, okay, yes, now I'll let you know the benefits of my blessing. If only I can be spiritually this way or that way, and I can get myself to a place where I approve of me, then the Lord will look down and approve of me too and he'll give me what I need. No, sir. It doesn't work that way. But let me also say this. That mindset comes from a, a convincing of ourselves, first, that God is not really willing to bless us as letting us know him as our dwelling place. That God really is wanting to hold us at an arm's length because we just are not lovely enough or we just there's something about us that is odiferous spiritually so god really is holding us in. and the only reason that we know the benefits from him is that okay okay i said i would help you and bless you so therefore i will capitulate and let you know a little bit but boy this is hard to do that is not our god That is not our God. I want you to think about this people that we're talking about here. The people of Israel, how many times the Lord had to condemn what they were doing. Yet his mind and his heart seemingly were never really turned away. See, really? I want you to think about it this way. When the Lord Jesus comes in Matthew Chapter 23, to that place where he looks out over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the representative city of all that could be understood as the people of Israel. And the Lord Jesus, as Lord God, says over these people, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you as a hen doth gather her chicks under, his wing, or under her wings, but ye would not. Behold, your house shall be left to you desolate. See the heart of your God, that even though you have a people that were absolutely not what they ought to have been, his heart was still toward his covenant people. That's the same with us. Maybe you read recently, if you're going through the McShane reading schedule from Ezekiel chapter 36. And the Lord is talking about his desire to populate again the nation of Israel with men that know him and his blessing and his presence and his power again. And he concludes that chapter with the statement, I will be inquired of for this. You can come and pray for this. Why? Because the Lord is willing to be found by his people as their dwelling place. I guess my word of encouragement to you this morning is simply this. Do you need to know the Lord as your dwelling place? Do you need to know the Lord? And all the comforts and ways that he would present himself to you to bring your heart to the place of rejoicing. He is willing. He is willing. I will say this. Sometimes we tell ourselves that our struggle that we have in our spiritual life is to convince the Lord that he needs to be everything to us. That's a lie. It's a lie of Satan. In fact, Satan's got a couple of lies here that are seemingly afflicting the people of God. In fact I think two of them are prominent and I just mentioned one the lie that there lies within our hearts no desire for God uh, because we don't have a desire for God so we should fill ourselves up with something elsewhere the Lord doesn't desire us and since we don't find the desires from our God within our hearts filling us up let's go look for things else, elsewhere let's look for things in this world that will fill us up no there is nothing else And I have to have to point out that our hearts oftentimes are so ignorant of our God that we come to wrong conclusions. We come to the conclusion because we are uh, not understanding him that he must be sick of us. Our, Our God is never sick of his people. He mourns. He is grieved. But he is never sick of us where he says, I just wish you'd just go away. That's a lie of Satan. Well, my third thought. Not only has God made himself our dwelling place, not only is God willing to be found as our dwelling place, but I want you to see this. God defines what dwelling in him is. Again, I would underscore that this is a statement to all generations, meaning it never changes. This is a truth that never changes. This is a timeless truth. This is something that is without beginning and without ending. This is something that is from everlasting to everlasting, as our psalmist says here. Now let me put, I want you to start thinking with me. When did all this start and when does all this end? Ah, okay. Here you go. When we look at this verse itself and you look at how it's worded the first word that you actually see is the name of the Lord this is not the word Adonai this is actually the proper name of God this is the word Jehovah though this is a substitute for that this is the covenant name of our God in other words here we have suggested to us by the very name of God what the meaning of what he's trying to say is. I am your covenant God. From the course of eternity past. To all the way through. To eternity into future. There has been a covenant that has been made. Between me and, to, and you. Because there's another covenant that's in view here. And based on that. You're going to be understanding then. What I, it is for me to be your dwelling place. So I say. Child of God. Understand the covenant of your God. And I'll comment to that in just a moment. Let that truth that God has entered into an everlasting agreement, not just with you, but more particularly with the Lord Jesus, let that govern your thinking. Dwell there. Let that be the place where your heart and your mind rest. God's covenant of redemption. In other words, let me say it again this way. The Lord Jesus has been promised certain things based on his success. Before the foundation of the world, we read it two times this morning. Before the foundation of the world ever was, there was an agreement between the Father and the Son that the Son would receive in total In perfection, in glory, everything that he has been promised, that includes you and it includes me if we are trusting in the Lord Jesus. Christ will receive us to himself without spot or without wrinkle or without any such thing. A glorious church built up in him. This has been promised to Christ. You keep that truth in your thinking. How can I deal with my God going forward? How do I have to deal with my God when I have sin in my heart that needs to be dealt with? How do I deal with my God when there's a need in my life that I need the intervention of my God for? You interpret all things in the light of this truth. Our God is our dwelling place. There's an eternal covenant. Now... I say that's suggested to us just by the name. The name, Lord, Jehovah. Secondly, it says, Lord, thou. That word thou is very important. It's an identification of who we're speaking with. It's an identification of our union with him. Thou has been our dwelling place all things that have to do with you now are true with me here see it with me this way this takes the benefits of all of god's mercies his promises his keeping care and puts it not in the light of who i am how i stand but rather it puts it in the light of christ thou hast been our dwelling place. The Lord Jesus is the reason why I will know all these wonderful things from the hand of my God. The Lord Jesus is in union with me. Let's think about it this way. Just just go go with me here for just a moment. We have then in the mind of God such a union with Jesus Christ that we have dwelt with Christ in his perfect life do you understand that when jesus was born and reared through those youth days and then into his young man time and then into the days of his ministry that we were in union with him his perfect life is a perfect life that was not lived for himself it was lived for us thou hast been our dwelling place we dwelt with christ in the mind of god in the person of christ Further, we have dwelt with Christ in his word. His certain word. In fact, you can go further than that. You can say we we're in union with the Lord Jesus in his death, his atoning death. We were in union with Christ when he raised from the dead. Does not that scripture say that? Romans chapter 6, that we were one with him in his burial, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Yes, there's a unity there. We are going to be with Christ in his exaltation you read Acts chapter 17 we preached on this uh, a few weeks back when Paul was talking to those people there on Mars Hill and explaining the nature of the Christian experience before God he says there in uh, Acts chapter 17 and verse 28 for in him okay, for in him In Christ Jesus, in our God, dwelling in him. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. We are in union with the Lord Jesus. The name of God suggests the covenant. The fact that it refers to God as the word thou suggests a union with him in what he does. Then he says, "It hast been. Thou hast been. When? When? When have you been our dwelling place? Was it just since Abraham? Oh, again, I suggest to you it was long before. Before the world we were dwelling in the heart of God. Ephesians chapter one, you know this verse, perhaps you can even quote it. Ephesians and chapter one and verse four. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Do you see what that verse says? That before the foundation of the world, God has chosen us in union with Jesus Christ for the purpose that ultimately we would be presented to Him as a bride. As I was saying a moment ago, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, here the words are that you would be presented holy and without blame before Him in love. Meaning, knowing all the benefits of the love of God upon us everything that God in his love would want us to be he bestows upon us in the Lord Jesus God defines what dwelling place is it's a covenantal situation that is tied to the Lord Jesus and how long has it been in place forever my last thought with this we're done I said God has made himself our dwelling place. God is willing to be found as our dwelling place. God defines what dwelling in him is. And then finally, God desires that we stay at home. (laughs) God desires that we stay at home. The dwelling place. Stay at home. Deuteronomy Chapter 10, you have the words that speak of the Lord's desire for His people. It says there in verse 20, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God. Thou shalt serve, and to Him shalt thou cleave, and swear by His name. He is thy praise. And he is thy God that hath done for thee these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. Thy fathers, oh, generations. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with threescore and ten persons. and, And now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. As I said, the Lord says, stay at home. Don't go wandering off, thinking that you're going to find some fullness or some enjoyment or some comfort or whatever in any other place. And staying close to your God. Well, what does that mean? Well, I think you know. And I think you know whether you are there or not. Are we close to our God in the place of prayer? Are we close to our God in the place of the Word? Are we close to the Lord our God in what we allow ourselves to think upon or what we value or what we esteem or where we go or what we say among men? Oh... We are to stay at home, our dwelling place. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place. Thou wilt continue to be. Let us stay close by the shepherd and not stray away. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee well may the Lord bless his word to our hearts for Jesus sake let's all pray father in heaven now we would pray that you will bless the word we pray that you will use it within our souls to draw us to thyself to convince us that there is for us at thy right hand pleasures forevermore Lord I pray that you will allow this word now to remain in our thinking as we go through this day Lord, keep us close to our God. We would pray in all the things that we do. We pray in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen.